0: The issues that we've had with Conor, he's an incredible player, but probably the way Munster are playing makes him look bad.
1: The Red 78 with Alan Quillen and Neave Briggs. Subscribe to the rugby channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now.
0: Gaelic football on off the ball. With AIB, proud
2: sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more.
1: So, this weekend, it is Dublin against Meath in the Leinster Senior Football Championship semi final. Remarkably, it will be the 53rd game that Dublin have played in the Leinster Championship since 2005. And in all that time, they have only lost one of them back in 2010 when Meath rode into Crow Park and battered the Doves by 5 9 to 13 points. Delighted to be joined on the line by Anthony Moyles and Nigel Crawford to reminisce about, about the good old days, Anthony. We won't won't mention what happened in the decade since, or the decade before.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The good old days, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. I can hardly remember. I can hardly remember what I had for breakfast. So this is a bit of a stretch, to be honest. The good old days. Yeah, that was one good day.
1: Yeah, That was a very good day. Uh, Any day you score five goals against the Dubs uh, is one you're always going to remember. Give us the context from a a mead point of view and we all talk about the rivalry but the dubs at that stage had already become utterly dominant in Leinster they were still a year away from becoming utterly dominant over the rest of the country uh, was there a sense by then by 2010 that this Dublin side are are well ahead of us that it's it's a massive shock for me to go to Crow Park and beat Dublin
0: I don't think so um you know t- to be fair we were, we were we were kind of playing we were we were going we were going well in the previous couple of years 07 and 09 obviously we had got to all ireland semi finals 08 was a bit of a blip shall we say um, but you we would have felt that the team was on an upward trajectory younger lads who had come in had blended in well with some of the older crew um, we were fairly potent up front um, and you know we had a number of players who could you know kind of hurt you on their day Um, yeah, we got a little bit of consistency, I suppose. The, the, the the madness that was going on, I suppose, and the, the different various changes of the guard over the years and kind of the fallout after Sean had left that had kind of managed to, I suppose wither away um and you know as a group we've kind of matured a lot of the kind of fellas who had you know kind of been there for the previous number of years had taken kind of not a whole of things but i suppose they kind of realized that actually hold on a second second we've got a decent squad here and we've got a decent group of players and we can probably really start to up it and then we got good buy-in from some of the younger lads there was a there was a kind of a blend of fellas who'd won an All Ireland. Uh, who would come in, like Joe Sheridan and a few of the fellas like Joe. So there was a nice mix. Um, you know, and we were we were we were coming. Eamon O'Brien had obviously, you know, assumed the role with with a good very, very good, solid backroom team who believed in us um and who kind of instilled the belief in us from the 07 and the 09 kind of uh, uh, tenure. So there would, there would have been great belief in the squad, Nathan, and and we would have always kind of said even the battles prior to that against Dublin were relatively close. You know, we 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 brought them to I think a replay in a couple of years before, and we got beaten in the replay. But the game was in the mixer right to the death. Um, so you know, there wasn't that I suppose maybe inferiority complex. Mm. Um, certainly not at that stage. So it wasn't a surprise. Maybe just the, the, the Okay, the, the result was a surprise, as in the the, the, the five goals and and the measure the, the the margin of the result. But as regards being a competitive fixture, I think we would have felt that we can go in and give it a, a, a really good rattle.
2: But they were a different animal back then. They that wasn't the same Dublin team that came out then years after that. Like they. That was a team that had lost a lot
1: themselves. Well, that was and a year had, after the Startled Earwigs game.
2: Yeah, like, like, that wasn't an amazing Dublin team at all. And if anything, it was the game that we played against them and put those five goals against them that helped them make those tough decisions on certain players and bring in the new crop that then went on to become the great team. So there was no aura about that Dublin team, which they then brought in in future years. So to Anthony's point, yeah, like, I don't think we were in any way... Even though we had lost a good few times to them, there was no inferiority complex that I think then did develop over the following decade.
1: Nigel, it was, it was still a team that had Cluxton in Goal, Philly McMahon, Rory O'Carroll, uh, Brian Cullen, Jair Brennan, Paul Flynn, the Brogans, Mossy Quinn. Like It was still a team that was the backbone of a side that 14 months later went on to win in All-Ireland.
2: It was, yeah, but I don't want to get personal here, but they also had some other guys in that team who probably weren't good enough to win All-Irelands either. Um, and yeah, we, we just didn't. And plus also some of those players, probably Paul Flynn was one, and and, and the Alan Brogan were probably really established as top-class players at that stage. But a lot of the others weren't. They were only really coming into their own and developing, and there were younger guys who hadn't really um, developed into the top-class players that they did become. Um, I think even Cluxton as well developed his game after that a bit more. He Obviously, he was, he was a hugely influential player even back then, but I think he got better as well, as did a lot of them. So I would say yes, when you look back at the names, they were great names. But back then, there was probably only a few of those that I would say were truly top, top-class footballers at that time. Now, a load of them went on to become legends um, in Dublin and and nationally, like really brilliant players, some of the best of all time. Um, But yeah, it was a strange one. It was very much a team that was coming, but certainly wasn't there in my view at that time.
1: Anthony, you mentioned Eamon O'Brien as manager and there was Bob O'Malley in his selector. The preparation that they put into that season to bringing you to another level after getting to All Ireland semi-finals. I was reading uh, Mickey Burke in the game of my life on me, the footballers, which you know you contributed to as well. Uh, talking about greatest games and he spoke about a training camp in Portugal at the start of the season How often we think of these training camps there might be a nice couple of drinks at the bar in the evening uh, He said it was absolutely horrendous Pushed to the limits all the time in the heat On the first day a camp Brian Sheridan pulled his hamstring but he didn't get to rest Bob had him crawling the length of the field His forearms and his ties were on fire The sun splitting the stones We were looking over at Bob Urging Brian to keep going It was relentless It was so tough All you could hear was Bob shouting Come on on, he was like a drill sergeant. An in- enjoyable trip for everybody?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably the worst thing to do was to get injured uh, during that trip because you were sent over to Bob's special camp, uh, which wasn't a nice place to be uh, at all, Nathan. But no, the trip, look, the trip these trips you know they can be they can be good or they can be you know terrible it all depends on obviously what happens you know post the trip Mm. and people will look back at it and say oh that speech or that trip or that bush journey was you know that that was the turning point the guys had themselves obviously well organized we went out there we needed it um but we were coming as, as a group and as a team as i said you know we we the belief was already there um some lads would have been very fearful of Bob. Bob was a very, very st- strong kind of personality in the sense, no messing. Um, but he gave great belief and he gave great confidence to fellas. And if you did it, he was he was no problem in telling you. And I think that squad suffered. And I think Nigel will back me up on this. There was a bit of... You know, I think it was a little bit of doubt amongst that squad because for a long number of years post the Sean era, a lot of players were being kind of you know nearly kind of ridiculed uh and ridiculed by former mead players of the of the 80s and the 90s teams of oh well they're not good enough and they're not this and they're not that and it was always this constant kind of analysis and 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 treatment of well where do they rank and where does this current crop of players rank and are they tough enough or are they this and are they that? And what people didn't realize I think or maybe they did they just didn't want to admit it was that there was a there was a change going on within the game uh, and in preparation and, you know, Dublin had grasped that and disregarding this particular result, there was changes going on at the Dublin club level and at the Dublin county board level, which was already setting the stepping stones for what came after it. Like Mead, as I said, where it was kind of, it was it was getting fewer and far between where they were really battling at minor and under 21 level. You know, whereas Dublin were all and were starting to get much more consistent with their winning. So the current the crop of players was coming through, coming through. And look, we know we're still we're still obviously seeing the fact that Dublin are reaping the rewards of that, whereas Meade and Kildare are still only trickling catch up. Um, you know, with regard to these competing, not are competing, but it still takes five ten years to get to the to 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 the level where you have to be at the senior level. So, you know, it was probably in hindsight. You know, when you look back on it as a Mead supporter and a Mead fan, that team of kind of 07, 08, 09 and 10 was probably as strong a team that had been there for, you know, maybe 10 years uh, since the 2000 or 99 and 01 team. And certainly probably the seven or eight or 10 years, maybe since um, a very, very good, talented crop of players who are very committed, strong, you know, wanted to compete, weren't afraid of anyone really um, and you know, it was, we, we were just being primed and ready for that. And to be fair to Eamon and Bob, they gave us the belief of that. They weren't naysayers. They weren't people who who decided that actually you're not good enough, you know, you have to kind of commit. They, they actually gave us the belief and you know, it was a terrible finish to obviously Eamon's tenure with what happened um, and you know, that was just another chapter in the Mead story of the last 15 or 20 years and unfortunately, you know, with how things transpired after the Leinster final and Eamon and Bob and the lads not getting the chance to come in the following year, that really put me back when all of a sudden we were taking a step forward. It put us back probably three or four years.
1: Mm. Nigel, what's your memory of the build-up then to that season and that semi-final? And There was a, a big score racked up against Offaly. Mm-hmm. I think first day out against Leash, could well have ended up in beaten. There was a mistake... Uh, but Leash Keeper lets you back in, win the replay. So in terms of that season and the build-up and the confidence levels within the group, I know you had a bit of a problem with with an injury at that stage. Was there a real sense from your memory of that day going to Crow Park of, yes, we're in a really strong place right now, and there's still a flakiness around these Dublin players that we can get at?
2: Yep, I think so. Personally, so I ruptured a disc in my back just after that Offaly game, and I missed the two Leash games. I remember... Um, for myself, I was I was sitting up there and I came on just after half time in the Dublin game and I shouldn't have been coming on. I wasn't fit to come on. I remember when they looked up at me, I was like, Please don't call on me to come on and I made the slow trek down. Um, but as a team, I do think you're right there. We did go into that game pretty confident, you know, we had gone through three good games in, in that we beat awfully well we played well um we had a good tough game or two against leash and you know getting that bit of momentum is good for us me in the past have gone well when they go on those type of runs um, and build up a bit of momentum so i think going into it we were in a good place um memory of the game it was a beautiful warm day one of those great days to play in crow park the sun is shining there's a good big crowd there with Mead in Dublin. Um, and a real just excitement and energy around the place. Um, So I think we were in a good place going into it, very much looking forward to it. And one thing we had while, and Anthony alluded to this, you know, we might not have been having huge success, but we had been to two All-Ireland semi-finals in the previous three years. We had some really top class forwards and fellas who could score. Um, And, you know, really then it was down to people like me and Anthony and Seamus Kenny and fellas who've been around a while who are good at just getting on the ball and getting it into them as quick as we could and letting them do damage. Like Stephen Bray at the time was probably one of the best forwards in the country. You'd Joe on his day, Joe Sheridan who could do just unbelievable things, um, he could do unbelievably bad things as well, um, we joke with Joe about that um, but but incredible talent and a real, real danger um, all times and then Keen Ward was another one who would be able to get scores, kick freeze. Um, I think Brian Farrell, I don't even know if he started that day, was another guy who was really capable of getting scores and I think Graham Riley was just starting off his career so you know, you look at that, you had, you had four or five forwards there who on their day could put up massive scores. So we had confidence with players like that there. We know we could get scores. And then some other experienced kind of grafters who were working hard out the field and had, you know, that um, work ethic and toughness that you alluded to there with Bob, uh, Bob um, O'Malley bringing to the team. Um, we were in a relatively good place and... and probably felt yeah we we don't feel overawed by Dublin because at that stage really yeah they'd won Lancers. they hadn't really proven anything on a, on a, a national stage so yeah a, a good place going into uh, an exciting
1: game I think you were wearing the number five jersey Anthony where were you playing?
0: Uh, I was playing right off back actually um, so were you we up so against I Flynn? Marking, no I was actually marking um, Niall Corkery who, who had played for Kilmockoog Cokes. I think mm. Kilmockoog Cokes, if I'm not wrong, had won the All-Ireland uh, club that year, and he was playing midfield. Um, I think he went travelling after that year because he was, he was a, a good lad. Player. Like any yeah.
2: other country to lose a player like that. He was a very good player.
0: Yeah, and I think Dublin had, to be fair to the lads again, um, Robbie and Eamon O'Brien, and uh, I think Donald Curtis was involved as well, Nigel Willey, I think at the mm. time on the backroom team. They had done their homework. They put Gary O'Brien, Gary O'Brien's lad, Navin O'Mahony's player who had an unbelievable engine, like a guy who could just go all day, very sticky fella, cornerback, halfback. And he went on to Alan Brogan and just did a job on Alan, just followed him around as much as you could for Alan. But we realized that obviously Alan was a quarterback type player for Dublin at the time. Niall McKay took Mossy Quinn. So you wouldn't have a worry with Niall to be fair. He was just that kind of really horrible cornerback that you don't want to come up against kevin riley uh was in the full back line and Owen harrington so it was a solid enough full back line then there was myself um i think uh i can't remember gary o'brien was in there i think at center back and i'm not sure who was the far side but um, Shane O'Rourke was obviously one that Nigel missed. He was on Rory O'Carroll, um, uh, you know, in, in our full forward. And Shane was playing absolutely, like he was imperious that year. He was just he was just doing what he wanted with the football, like a big man, six foot four, well able to shift, kick off left and right. And if you watch the game back, like some of the scores, both from Dublin and me, were top notch. Um, I was playing half back, and the, the specific idea there, with Nathan, was Dublin kicked a lot of kickouts towards Corkery. Um, and he won a massive amount of kickouts in, in 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 games previous to that. So the idea was that I would basically just uh, use my depth skills at mauling the living daylights out of him. <laughs> I
1: thought it was, was your was incredible pace. You were the you were the modern wing back. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, there there you go. Yeah, I forgot that part, but but the mauling I could do. I could mm-hmm. I could tick that box absolutely. Yeah yeah, but. uh no, so that was the plan. But it was a, it was a funny game because it, it like Naja said, it was unbelievable. It was very fast, very pacing, it, Like both teams were evenly matched in the first half, um, and it was really nothing in it. Uh, really nothing in it. And even after we got, I think, a goal, um, or maybe two. I'm not sure. But Paul Flynn came down and rattled one off the the the, the post, um, and really should have scored. Um, And I think that would have put Dublin back to only being a point behind or something like that. And it was literally just as that ball came back out, we went down the far end and we got another goal. And then just before you knew it, we were like seven or eight points up or something like that. And and kind of the game was over.
1: There seemed to be a sense afterwards, Nigel, that the Dubs maybe underestimated the pace that was in that Mead side, that there was a perception that the Mead forward line was quite a one pace forward line but that the game plan was run at these Dublin players that they're going to push up on you run at them and we'll have the beating of them
2: um, and the other thing I'd say as well is Nathan. We used to always play direct ball as well. We were trying to get it in as quickly as possible because we knew if we could get it in there, those lads did have the pace, as you said, and weren't afraid to take a man on. That was a great thing about that forward, and I did forget about Shane. Shane Shane O'Rourke was the type of a huge man, but actually had the skills of a much smaller man. So he had a great balance in there. Um, but all of them were afraid, were um, keen to take their men on. And, and really, for lads like me and Anthony, all we were doing was trying to win the ball and just kick it into them as quickly as possible and let them do it. And Dublin didn't play a sweeper, I think, at the time and hadn't gone defensive um, and kind of played the man-on-man game. So I think we felt with those forwards, we had a great chance if we could win our fair share of ball out the field, get our tactics you know, somewhat right, and then just quickly get the ball into the lads and let them take them on. And on a dry, warm day in Crow Park, you know, good, talented footballers like that in our forward line who are willing to take their men on, they'll always do well in that. Um, particularly without the sweeper. And I think it was probably after that game that Dublin did revert to a much tighter game. I think um, Keno Sullivan probably started, you know shortly after that um, game coming in and playing that sweeper role. And Dublin did bring more men back and just get a bit more disciplined about how they played as well. So I think, you know, we're probably at fault for creating a monster in in, in a way. Um, But yeah, certainly on the day, we we felt that um, with that quick ball into those forwards, we, we could have the beating
1: of them. We've spoken so much over the years, Anthony, that like the dubs, it felt like taking on a machine at times when they were playing under Jim Gavin. I don't know what you remember about on the pitch in those closing minutes, and I know they took you off for a rest to save you for the Leinster final with a few minutes to go. But when you looked in the eyes of those Dublin players and they're getting one hell of a beating on home soil, as they had done the year before as well against Roan, how do you? What was your sense of their their character, their personalities at that stage when things really weren't going well for them?
0: It's hard to know, Nathan. It, it really is. I remember there was probably a time where um, Nick we had been on the receiving end of obviously some 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 beatings from Dublin um, and numerous numerous beatings since two thousand and one. So it was absolutely sweet. Um, like I mean the crowd were you know enjoying every single minute of it and there was there's that horrible feeling in a game where no matter if you're two or three or four up or even five up you're never quite settled you're never quite relaxed you still have that kind of tension in your body and tension in your stomach so you're still driving on you know, you're you're just never quite so sure. But I remember actually at that time, I remember I think I looked over at Nigel at I think one stage and I just kind of, we, you know, there was that feeling like, okay, this is done. They're not coming back from this because they did, there was a kind of, a, I think, a collective thing where they basically just looked around and kind of said, what just happened here um, it was obviously so startled and, and such a seismic move for them that obviously what has been born out of that was Gilroy obviously deciding that okay, now I have this I'm going to rip up the copybook and I now have a clean bill of health. Um, and Nigel alluded to certain players being kind of axed and I think I think that was Gilroy's opportunity to probably go into the Dublin County board and just say, listen there's five or six here who, you know, have been involved and I want to sh- move them on and I want to move on how we're going to play and this is how we're going to, you know, and obviously then subsequently all the different players and the yeah. different managers who took on. But was there a sense when we were walking off the pitch that, you know, this was the tide that was going to turn? No, not at all. Um, but at the same time, fair play to Gilroy and fair play to the people involved that they actually looked at it and didn't go, know ah this is all wrong but they did go okay things need to change um and a lot of times county boards and everything else will, will make kind of i suppose drastic changes with regard to the management no one no one looked at gilroy's head if i remember correctly people kind of said right it, it was in him they trusted uh, and they said right but we just have to go back to the drawing board and we have to alter how we play because again it was 599 nine to 13 it was so it was 14 scores to 13 scores you know so it 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 wasn't like they we 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 beat them you know 22 scores to 10 type thing and we were absolutely all over them yes the goals made a big difference but um you know there wasn't an enormous amount of stuff that he had to change because he was blooding those younger players anyway and you know, it was—I'd say—it was humbling for them, and it was something that they that they that they stuck, you know, down and and, and remembered um, because it they certainly didn't appreciate it, um, and you know they 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 haven't looked back since. No, certainly not. Uh,
1: so, from a mead point of view, I go through to a Leinster final against Laud, uh, quite enough affair, Nigel.
2: Yeah, yeah, not much went down. Wouldn't <laughs> the people will forget? Um, <laughs> we were yeah like we that was that final so we should have hammered loud in that game i think we were a good bit a better team than them but we didn't play well um and we kept them in the game and then all of a sudden the last couple of minutes we're finding ourselves a couple of points down or a point down and really you know desperate at that stage um, we always flag Seamus Kenny because he had the ball right in front of the goals and still managed to kick it into the backside of a loud player so really Seamus should have scored and then there'd be none of this talk about what happened after that Um ball, break. ball break. yeah yeah blame Seamus <laughs> uh, and then ball broke to Joe and then we all know what happened after that where, where, where uh, does that um,
1: go in the Joe Sheridan uh, ranking of really good things really bad things
2: Oh, it's it's no surprise it was Joe that it happened to. (laughs) Because anyone in the Mead team, it would be Joe. So, uh, no, I'm very fond of Joe. He was a great teammate, and I loved playing with him. So, uh, it it was great um, that it was Joe that it happened to. Because uh, I suppose it just builds into the legend of Joe Sheridan in in Mead football. So. It was uh, yeah, it was it was a crazy final. But you know what? I've spoken about that final more than any other game in my career. And I played for, I think, 13 years with me then was lucky enough to win an All-Ireland. Um, it's the one game that people always want to talk about. Now, obviously, I feel for Loud and the Loud players that they were on the wrong side of that. But, um, you know, it, it was a very memorable game and, and one that people always enjoy talking about
1: just to wrap up on on leinster anthony the sense since is that because me really felt they should have been miles ahead of loud at that stage that the players would have happily given a replay because you sensed that if there was a replay you would have had more than enough to go and win it. you just were never asked yeah well it was it was
0: it was like I think I spoke to you probably before on this Nathan, but no problem. Like I mean, no problem. Got- like the Lao team are a very very good team. Nigel, Nigel obviously is, is is living in Dublin now, so he doesn't have to worry about going in and out of Loud <laughs> ever. So he can he can castigate my up there. I just have plenty to say about it. the Dubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they were, they were, they were actually, they were a really talented team. They deserved to be in the Leinster final. Um, I do think we, we played very poorly that day. It was one of those where you were coming off the high of the Dublin match and everyone said, oh, will you blow past loud and you blah, blah, blah. So it was all of those different things. We just couldn't get right going that day. Um, We've talked about this. The, the, any of the options, as regards offering replays, not offering replays, that should have been completely taken out of the hands of the players—be it loud players, me players, or whoever else. The GAA should have decided themselves. Listen, we're not going to, you know, cause any situation here with regard to setting any kind of templates or any kind of, you know, uh, predetermined stuff. We're just going to literally say this game has to be replayed next week. So it was a horrible feeling. Like we were downstairs in Crow Park, underneath the stand, with the cup. uh, Something that a lot of fellas hadn't touched, hadn't been near. Nigel and myself were obviously there in 2001, so it was still a long time. Um, And yet we couldn't celebrate. You know, you were sitting there kind of waiting, what's the word, what's the word? Fellas getting phone calls, management, this is happening, that's happening. You know, people going bananas, obviously on radio and everything else. Joe Duffy getting involved. Like if Joe gets involved, you know something's wrong. Um, So it, it was just... It was it, like i mean the thing should have been obviously you know would it would it have set um i don't know uh, nigel would know more about this from a legalistic point of view but would it have set mm-hmm. as something in, in train that could have been taken on in the various different courts and that i i don't know i don't know but like certainly the players there was a, there was i think there was we met on the Monday night. We met in 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 Gormanstown. We had a swim in the sea, and then we kind of had a meeting afterwards, sitting outside. I always remember it was a lovely summer's evening, and we're sitting there, and, and and emotions were high. Some fellas had hangovers. Some fellas didn't have hangovers, and uh, things were things were things were let's say getting a little bit emotional. Everyone had their had, had their speak, um, and some fellas were for. Some fellas were very much no. I have my hand on the Leinster medal, and I don't want to let it go. Other guys were saying, no, we need to offer something up. Uh, but the crux of it was that we said, well, you know, if someone comes and asks us, if the GA come and say, right, this is it, you're going to have to do this. Well, then we play it. And, you know, we will just go and do it because that's what we would have to do. Um, so I think it was completely unfair to, to, to put it in the, in, in, in the camp of uh, ourselves, um, you know, because there was never going to be 100% agreement either way. Um, and it was just, it was, it was, it was, that's just the way it was. It was an opportunity that was probably missed by the GAA um, and they just got on with us. But it's something I think that weighed on us probably and I don't know if Nigel would agree but, you know, that was a very, very good team and we went into the Kildare game, played really well in the first half but ended up getting beaten and Kildare were within a whisker of winning that All-Ireland if you mm. remember. They got, they got a pretty bad decision against him against down and then down into the all-ireland final against cork that was a very open year that 2010 with mm. a lot of teams very very you know at a, at a kind of an even keel and you know people will look back and say oh well me deserve to be bit by killer but you know there wasn't a whole pile in it uh, but i think that the stress and the anxiety and the talk had to affect the players, especially some fellas like Joe and different guys who are around the panel, yeah. and it would not have affected yeah. the mindsets, you know.
2: Yeah, we can't blame Joe now for the, for the Claire defeat, but <laughs> and much and all we'd like to. But no, it, it was it was an emotional time. No, but that said, Claire were the better team because I think we started that game and we were one three to no score up at the start. So you know we can't we can't blame that. But come back to the point about precedent, and and uh, it's it's the area I work in. I felt very strongly about that. Um, it was very unfair on the on the loud players what happened. It was very unfair in my mind, and I'm not looking for any sympathy, that the Meath players were thrown under the bus because we didn't turn around and tell the GAA to give a replay. Imagine any county did that. Let's pick a game from last weekend that we thought was unfairly decided and the players said, actually, do you know what, let's give a replay. It happens in no other circumstances that the players are allowed dictate how the game is decided so it was a nonsense for the GAA to put it on us to do that and if it did for me it would have created this incredibly dangerous precedent where a game was never decided by the referee or at the final whistle because there was always that chance that the two teams could decide that it was an unfair result and it needs to be replayed And unfortunately, you know, while it's unfair to the losing team in sport, that just can't happen. The people who run the game have to make those decisions and make them, and they didn't. And they put it back on us and we got the pressure from that. But look, it it was unfair, not looking for sympathy, but I do think the GAA abdicated their responsibility there and just threw it back on us and let us take the heat Um, when... Absolutely, it should not have been our decision, and nor should it ever be that the players or management have to decide the outcome of a result or how a replay should mm. be. If that's the case, it would ruin the game.
1: And Nigel, as Anthony said, 2010 is a year because of that brilliant weekend. We're down, going beat, carrying the All Ireland quarter-final. That. There's three or four different counties that even still we look back on 2010 and say it's the one that got away where the championship had completely opened up. Is that how you reflect on the post-Leinster final and Kildare and how the semi-finals and Cork winning it that year? Do you look back and think that was the one year we had a real chance to win in All-Ireland?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as you said, I think there are a good few teams who probably thought that as well. It's a bit like last year's um, All-Ireland as well. I'd say there are a few teams out there who felt last year there was a good chance to win one. There was no dominant team there in uh, 2010. There were a couple of good teams, and I would put us in that bracket. Would we have been the favourites? Probably not, but we were there thereabouts, and we had been to two All-Ireland semi-finals, and we had a good few games under our belt. Um, but that said, look. In the end of the day, we weren't good enough against Kildare, um, and you know we were beaten on our merits that day by Kildare. But it was it was an opportunity looking back at it because um, there was no standout team there, like Dublin went on to be for for years after that as as an unbeatable team. Um, and I and I say last year was a very similar year with with Mayo, with Kerry, with Tyrone, with Dublin teams like that. that probably all felt, yeah, we left that one behind.
1: So this weekend, Crow Park half four on Sunday, Dublin against Meath. Last year in the Leinster semi-final, obviously it was slightly different scenario. It was much less crowd due to the COVID restrictions. Uh, Dublin won by six points, two sixteen to 113 Uh, since then uh, well the dubs have gone into full scale crisis mode uh, for most of us I know Anthony uh, you've been pushing back on that did you see enough from a Dublin point of view Anthony in the victory against Wexford it was described as a no win game in advance but did you see enough to suggest that what you have felt throughout the spring that when the players returned that they would get back close to their level
0: I think I yeah I probably did Nathan, um, but I think you know I can get all cute on it here and blow ahead on Dublin, but I think there's there's definitely they've they've got obviously the players back that they need to have back so O'Callaghan um, you know James McCarthy coming back in John Small all of these guys so they're picking them all back up as they go. Are they as close to the strongest 15 as as they possibly could be? I'd say yes they are. They've unearthed one or two other fellas throughout the league as well, obviously who've come in and started. Um, but I don't think they will learn a whole pile from the Wexford game. Um, Wexford were abject, so you're in a situation where you're coming into a Me team that have been. We've got a good test, by the way, against Wicklow. People will people will kind of look and say, "Oh well, should Jesus? You know, Wicklow were right in that game for 50 minutes. Does that reflect badly on Me? But Wicklow have been playing decent football, and whether you do or you don't, at least Wicklow had a good cut at it. Um, where I don't think Wexford really did. I thought Wexford, you know, tried to kind of just defend and, and and see how they went against it, which which in the mood that Dublin were in, there was never going to be a win for Wexford, but but Dublin just kind of fed on that and, and, and completely annihilated them. My feeling is is that um, the Dublin defense still doesn't know exactly where it is. Um I think there are some, some players in there who are very, very good players within a system and the system that has been there for the last number of years. But I think now there's question marks over the way they're playing, their ability to kind of track back and kind of slowly and methodically kind of come out with the ball and then kind of move the ball left and right and go lateral. And they're, they're trying to play this much more quick game, getting the ball in early to their forward line. And they're also kind of saying, well, listen, the responsibility now was you you can take a shot if you want so your fellas cornerbacks halfbacks taking shots which is stuff that you never would have seen under jim gavin everyone seemed to know the role and stuck within that role so there's more freedom there's more responsibility being placed in the players themselves to express themselves but with that comes probably an area where if you can you can exploit it um and it's funny when you think of 2010 well there was a couple of individual things that just the me players won that little battle over the Dublin players and hence goals came off it could that similar thing happen this weekend you would hope so from a me perspective but you know if I was Andy and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the Dublin team I'm saying that's a, it's a full back line that's relatively small it's a full back line that's relatively untested um, and what we need to do is we need to put pressure straight away on them Mead will need at least two goals um, Mead haven't been, you know, kind of setting the world alight light either. But again, they were without a lot of very, very big players for themselves throughout the league. Like there are two midfielders missing, then their full back missing, then their centre half back missing. And they were trying to get, find a couple of players in the forward line. They have all of those guys back now. Um so they'll go in as strong as they possibly can go in. And listen, it's a great time to get Dublin in the sense of, I think if they were to meet Dublin in a Leinster final, they would have already got a good test against either Kildare or Westmead. So it's it's the opportunity. I would hope that they can take the same spirit and enthusiasm that they had and kind of being on the front foot that they had in the second half of last year's game, um, into this one because he needs to start this may potentially be Andy's last year I don't know but I would be leaving absolutely nothing on the dressing room wall you'd be just saying lads listen we're going to go for this and we're going to go from it for minute one we're going to stand out in front we're going to be brave um, and we're going to take the game to them as much as we can and then see see how the cards fall
1: uh, Nigel it was a fairly unremarkable league campaign for me and uh, they got the job done against Wicklow it, it, do they have the tools when you're Talk about the players who are coming back then to to ask some sort of different questions of Dublin than they have in recent years. And, and even what Anthony's touching on there, like at times the dubs have kept teams in until halftime, they haven't taken too many risks, and then they just blow them out of the park in the third quarter. There's a sense now that actually, if you stuck with them till halftime, maybe that third quarter onslaught may not be there from the dubs.
2: Yeah, I think it's. Well, last year, after last year, it's the first time that you see this kind of vulnerability in Dublin. And, I, sorry, I wouldn't even go as far as saying a vulnerability, but as you said, you don't feel like it, the inevitability of them slaughtering you towards the end of the game in the third quarter. You just don't feel that's definitely going to happen now. Do you need of have enough... Um, I think the spine of the team looks much stronger now and has a battle hardened look to it. And fellas who have good experience are big physical players, particularly down the middle, you know, three, six, eight, nine looks strong to me. Um, looks athletic as well, which is really important against Dublin. Um I don't know if they have the players. Look, the the obvious answer is Dublin have way too much for them and they've won way too much over the years, but I think Anthony's right, even though he may have been pitching for the me job there when he said it might be Andy's last year. But there is a feeling of um, this is last chance saloon for this um, crop of players, but a great opportunity for them and a really um, good chance for them there. They've lost to Dublin for so many years and eventually they're going to have to beat them. But why not now? Um, If they are going to do it, it has to be with goals. And I think with direct football, um, you look at some of the league games um, where Dublin struggled. Um, thinking back to the Armagh game, it was direct football into Reno Neal and taking men on like that, which traditionally has been mead strength. Um so if I think if they can win enough ball around midfield, you know, an ominous sign there was Brian Fenton was back to, you know, the greatest midfielder probably has ever played the game. Um, he's getting back to that status after a quiet league. You would hope now that Meade can contain him and win enough ball and just not let him dominate the game um, and get on the ball and control it. If they can do that and get their fair share of ball out the field and really just go at the Dublin fullback line, as Anthony said, you know there's potentially a vulnerability there go at them and go for goals and go for broke because that's the way against Dublin. There's no point in trying to contain them. Mead have done that in the past. And I, I felt that not as a criticism of the Me team, but I felt that they've tried to go out and just contain Dublin and, and nick it at the end. But we've seen with the talent that they have, they just blow you out of the water. So I would say, go toe to toe with them, take them on and and have a go. And if you go down, go down and swing and really go down and, and, and give it a go. So you don't feel like, well, you know, we probably should have given it a go, go in, no regrets, go at them and, and have a go because you never know, we may look back in three or four or five years' time and say that was the time that, you know, Dublin broke and dip. really it wasn't the end of the, that Dub, great Dublin team, but um unless you, you have a go at them, uh, I don't think we're, we're going to get anywhere.
0: The goalkeeping factor, uh Nathan, just a, the goalkeeping factor is a big factor and you know we've seen it even last week we've seen it in most of the matches since uh you know the start of the championship about kickouts um and it's not necessarily you know what comes at the end of the kickouts but teams who decide to give the kick out up or teams who decide to really pressure the kick out Kluxen is not there as we know um uh, you know you've had a situation where they're, they're they've they've two or three goalkeepers now potentially that they've tried through the league uh, young Comerford if, if he's injured or not if he's back in um, there's an opportunity there where I would imagine Meade will do a full court press as much as they possibly can and I think Wexford had seven scores I don't know how many actually opportunities they had before, the but so in other words there was no real potential for Wexford to put, apply pressure on the kicker that has to be one of the main things um, O'Callaghan back is a big thing for Dublin but you know they need to it's something i've watched it over the last couple of weeks with him he, you know he, there's there's a thing with him where he he, he likes to take the ball and he, he he you know you can count the amount of steps he, he ends up getting a lot of scores where he's running at you and he moves so fast he's taking seven eight steps then he's playing the ball referees seem to be kind of i don't know object to it or just not seeing it so the me players have to realize that this is happening and the one thing you can't do with him is you can't put your hand in Trying to think that he's going to play because he's so physically strong. He bounces off you, and next thing you're on the floor, and it's goal time. So you actually nearly have to just run alongside him, um, not expecting him to make the play, um, and just stay with him and try to stay, keep him, keep him up as much as possible, and keep yourself up as much as possible. Um, but if they can do that, as Nigel says, there's a great opportunity. There's still massive amount of talent in Dublin, but the the, the grey matter in Dublin, the the, the recent kind of shall we say issues that they've had throughout the league are not 6 or 9 or 2 years ago they're they're relatively fresh um and they'll they'll say oh listen we got that out of the system and it's all okay now um but if it comes to a battle and if it comes to you know a couple of points in it or maybe even a couple of points behind it'll be the real time where the leaders have to stand up and throughout some of those league matches they necessarily didn't put the hand up and there's a big difference when you're 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 running on top of the ground like Fenton was, and he's doing whatever he likes against the Wex, Wexford team. To that he has to, you know, maybe a couple of points down, and he has to win the next ball, and he has to stick it over the bar or do whatever. That's that's the time that you're tested. He's done it in the past, but the the real question mark will be over their desire and when they whether it's me or whether it's another team this year when they're in at that moment, have they got the desire and the will to pull it back out again like they did previously? that's that's the that that's the
1: question to be to be answered uh emmett oliver has texted in he's a mead man anthony miles took no prisoners had that nasty element you need in your team to go along with that nigel
2: Uh, yeah that means he got sent off a lot and got a lot of yellow cards um no anthony yeah i remember that anthony came into the Mead team in 2001 i think it was your first or second start wasn't anthony against west mead um and you clip someone with an elbow inside ten or fifteen minutes, and yeah, that was a short game. Um, <laughs> but no, no, he's I know. He's I'm, having that, I'm, well
0: I'm, well.
2: I'm, I'm having a go at Anthony, but 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 that kind of edge is needed. Maybe not quite as dirty as Anthony was, but just the right side of the line um, with a bit of his toughness um, and maybe a bit more football thrown in as well. That's why him. he was trying
1: to soften up the referee. There, I think.
2: Yeah, he was, yeah He's 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 made a lot of plays here Referees, managers, everything this evening
1: that's, that's Punditry 101 for you right there That's why he's the king of it, don't leave us We've too many pundits coming on here Using it as an audition to go get an intercounty job It's outrageous <laughs> uh, Lads, uh, anyone willing Any of you willing to call a mead win then? We'll clip it up We'll make you look like heroes on Monday
0: I can't hear you, Nathan You've broken up there, I think in that last bit The Zoom on the Zoomer, <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. great stuff. It is uh, Sunday. Are, are you going to do it, Nigel? You're you're you're, you're wavering. I like I,
2: no exaggeration. I think I tip Mead every time they played them between 2011 and 2020. So um, I think I'll tip Dublin now in the hope that I finally will get it wrong and get it wrong in Mead's favour, but. Look, it's going to be very tough, it's very tough and, and the sensible answer is Dublin will win and, and we will win comfortably but I oh, really hope hope it's
1: different Alright, Nigel Crawford Anthony Myles, uh enjoy the game at the weekend
0: Cheers Adel Thanks, Cheers. Thanks as
1: always lads, all I get like Football and Off the Ball is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GEA Senior Football Championship, you can check out hashtag the toughest for more Gaelic football
0: on off the ball with AIB
2: proud sponsors of the GAA senior football championship check out hashtag the
1: toughest for more